A little more than 30 miles south of the LA Coliseum is Huntington Beach, California. This is where Jay Golson was born on March 26, 1997. When Jake was eight months old, doctors diagnosed him with retinoblastoma, cancerous tumors in both eyes. Jake would lose his left eye, but doctors were able to save Jake's right eye. That eye showed him his world, including his favorite sport and his favorite team, the USC Trojans. They're just a great school and they have awesome athletes, so I just started rooting for them like my dad. But in September of 2009, when he was 12, doctors told Jake the cancer was back again. And this time the only option was to remove his other eye. We've lived for 12 years with that, that possible message. And I, I would just say there's a certain level of sadness with that. I was standing there and I said, well, Jake, you know, how you doing, buddy? You okay? And he goes, he goes, yeah, mom. He goes, you know what? He goes, this is just going to be a new stage in my life. Just sad, like I won't be able to see them ever again. And just like we fought so hard and yet cancer wins. Jake's surgery was set for November of 2009. News of his story spread and eventually found its way to then USC head coach Pete Carroll, who wanted to do something for a huge fan. The first thing was, is let's make sure he gets inside and sees everything he wants to see. God bless him, he deserves every bit of it. Within days of meeting the Trojans, Jake became one of the guys. Come on, up, Jake! All right! Big dog, go three! Let's go! All right, Charles hit that linebacker first, and one, two, three! Big dog! All right, go get him, guys! I got to sit next to Pete Carroll on the bus, which was awesome. I got to go into the locker room and everyone was partying. I got to see the practices, which was awesome. Everybody loves, loves you, Jake, and we can't wait for you to come back. As soon as you get back, come see us, okay? All right. You promise? Yep. On November 15, 2009, Jake underwent successful surgery to remove his right eye. Six days later, he was here. Hey, Jake's here. Hey, Jake. Oh! Hey, Barkley. Barkley. Hey, Barkley. How are you doing? Good, how are you? What's next for you? I just want to be a normal kid, do what I did, and maybe even more. I love it. I got a center for you one time. Getting back to normal <laughs> meant doing what he had always done. He continued to snap for his flag football team. And in the fall of 2013, as a junior, Jake decided to try out for his high school team. 
We went through a number of drills and they said, oh my gosh, there's no way this kid is ever gonna, you know, learn how to snap. Truthfully, I really sucked the first time. So the coaches kind of just put me aside, you know, okay, this, this kid's gonna be on our team, but he'll be playing left bench. He kept practicing, practicing all these different drills. And finally, I started seeing some progress and said, oh my goodness. They lined up all the long snappers and now I was, I was snapping and, and it was evident that I was the best. Jake had earned the job and would be the long snapper his junior and senior seasons. He graduated with honors in 2015 and there was just one place he wanted to go. Well, it's always my dream to go to USC. Well, you look like a football player. <laughs> How much weight have you put on? Well, I came in around 185, and I'm, I'm probably somewhere in like 235, 240, so it's like 50, 55 pounds. I mean, you got the guns out. <laughs> After receiving a scholarship for physically challenged athletes, Jake got a call from then USC head football coach Steve Sarkeesian. Coach Shark called me and said, you know, since you're going to be here, you know how to long snap, why not snap on the football team? Being told that I would be able to have that experience and that opportunity was something that sometimes I still wake up and can't, can't, can't necessarily believe. So Jake came in and I'm like, uh, I'm not sure how we're going to do this, but we're going to figure it out together. He goes, oh, don't worry, coach, I, I've got this. Jake was part of the team, but after two years of countless practices, he never made it onto the field. It's a competitive game, and I'm a competitor. I like to prove to myself and others that just because I can't see doesn't mean that I'm not going to play football. September 2nd, opening weekend for USC. It's late in the fourth quarter and the Trojans are up 48 to 31 with a little more than three minutes to play. And those of you who have remained here to see this are seeing something special indeed. Long snapper. Number 61, Jake Olson. And he will long snap back for this extra point in a college football game. Kid grew up as an SC fan, visited Trojan practices. The snap is perfect. The kick is up, and the kick is good. Jake Olson swarmed over by his teammates. I want to just to be an example to others where they can, you know, look, look at me and then find courage inside themselves to face their fears and face their adversity and go dominate life.
Well, we're, uh, we're obviously so excited to have Jake with us here at Seacoast this weekend. And if you're visiting, I want to give you a special welcome as well. You chose a great weekend to be here. Uh, so uh, obviously you got to see a little bit of Jake's story, but I figured we'd start off with uh, yeah, a little bit well, of background. Yeah, well, before we even do that, Cody, okay. uh, I do a lot of speaking here in Southern California, was, was born and raised here. And uh, trust me, I know there's, there's you, you told me last night, this church is divided. Yeah, it is. Uh, and it is. So I just... I just want to know, just for safety measures and other things like that, just a raise a hand for any Bruin fans in the crowd. Just raise your hands. Because this is the third service. I don't see anyone that's UCLA here. I don't know Not what you're talking nope. about, man. I, nope. <laughs> I guess they're all SC fans. I, I don't know. know. I guess they're all SC go. fans. Yeah. There we go. Today they are. Today they are. <laughs> Cool. Well, you, you grew up here locally. You grew up right down the street, Huntington, right? I did, yeah. I grew up in Huntington Beach. Um, went to school there. Went to, went to high school in Orange. So been here my entire life. Went a little further to L.A. for college. So, you know, but I uh, grew up here. Have both my parents in the crowd, my mom and my dad. Um, I have a twin sister, Emma, who's up at school right now. Um, and got my grandma and other people. And then obviously this is my guide dog, Quebec, and he is a nine-year-old yellow lab, and he's, uh, I'd say my right He's hand. really worked up yes, right I now. Know, yeah, know, he's yeah. really worked up. Seems very, very disturbed oh, by the yeah, crowd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's used to it. He, he'll, he'll, he'll give you guys looks throughout it. He knows how to work you. <laughs> so uh, let's just start with the, the beginning of your story. We got to see a little bit about um, kind of your journey, but why don't you just give us a, a little bit more background? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it really started when I was eight months old. I was diagnosed with a rare form of eye cancer called retinoblastoma. And when the, the doctors found the, the cancer in my eyes, it had been manifesting for a few months. So it had grown to a point in my left eye where it really wasn't treatable. And the thing with retinoblastoma is that if uh, treatment options aren't an option anymore, and if, if they can't really do anything about the cancer. The removal of the eyes really then the last uh, effort there to preserve the, the child's life. Um, so you remove the cancer, but you also remove the eye. And so that's what they did with my left eye. Uh, but we actually were able to save my right eye with some treatment. And pretty much from, from a year old to the age of 12, it was battling that cancer. It, it came back around eight times. And, you know, each time it would come back, we'd fight it with treatment. And if that was chemotherapy or laser treatment or cryotherapy or radiation or experimental treatment, you know, we threw everything we could at it. But eventually, back in 2009, when I, when I was 12, the cancer came back, except this time there was a different message. And that was, once again, we had exhausted all treatment options and the removal of my eye was necessary uh, to preserve my life again. And this time, however, I only had one eye to give. And, and so I went completely blind. Hmm. So the first... First 12 years of your life, you're in and out of the hospital battling cancer, and eventually um, they say, look, we're, we're just going to have to, we're going to have to remove the eye, and, and you're, you're told this, and then they tell you you've got uh, six weeks until the surgery. In those six weeks, you're going to try to see as much as you can. Yeah, you know, it was, it was you know, about Oct October 1st was when I found out I was going to have to go blind, and then I went blind on November 12th, so, you know, there's that month and a half there um, of that those thoughts in my head of, yes, this is the last time I'll be seeing X, Y, or Z. And though that thought, those thoughts tormented me. It was, it was difficult. I remember a lot of times I would be in a situation or doing something and I would just really purposely try to implant those images into my mind and make them as permanent as I could. 
uh, understanding. You know, it'd be maybe the last time I would see a sunset or whatever the case is. And it was it was hard. You know, it was it was really hard. I, I was I was very blessed. I got to do a lot of cool things, including being at USC and being an honorary member of that team uh, in 2009. You know, I, I remember I got to sit courtside at a Lakers game. I, um, I, I went up to Pebble Beach and played uh, some golf up there and, and, you know, was able to observe, I think, one of, one of God's best creations up there. Um, and so there's a lot of cool things. But, yeah, no, I mean, underlining all of that was, again, this the kind of the sadness of understanding this would be my last time I, I would be able to see, you know, a flag stick on, on the beach with, with Pebble or whatever it was. And so... It was, it was difficult, um, but weirdly enough, I have to say, you know, even after going blind, I, I really don't focus on a ton on those images. I don't see myself a lot of times trying to picture what things look like or what things, mm. what, what I would be seeing if I wasn't, you know, right now, if I were, were sitting here with sight. Like, I just, your mind has other things to focus on, and, you know, what you're hearing, what you're, what you're feeling, what you're talking about, whatever the case is. So, interestingly enough, I would have never guessed it when I was going blind, but I guess I just don't care as much as I thought I would. Wow. So when before, uh, before the uh, surgery, very active in sports, golf, football, things like that. You have the surgery, and I think one of the m most amazing parts of your story is you just continue to push forward in, in all the area arenas of your life, including um, in sports. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I remember... I love to play a bunch of, like you said, a lot of sports. I was a kid who played basketball and baseball and football and soccer and, you know, and water polo, you know, you name it. I tried to, tried to play it, and sports was a passion of mine, and that was something that after I lost my sight, I really wanted to make sure I didn't lose that part of my life, you know, the, my, my athleticism or just the ability to go play sports. You know, it's, you, can't get, you can't get a lot of what you get out of sports anywhere else, so... For me, that was continuing to play football and golf. And for football, I remember it was actually only like five days after my, my surgery that took my eyesight that I actually went back to playing center for my flag football team in a playoff game. <laughs> so five days later, you're back on the yes, field. Yes, uh, I'm back on the field. Uh, you know, they said, throw dirt on it, you know, and I got back out there. And I was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it was, it was, I played eighth grade, too. I was the center, you know. I couldn't see, but you know, I, it was flag football. It was competitive, but it was fun. And I went to Orange Lutheran as a high school, and we get the pleasure of playing, you know, like a St. John Bosco and a survey, survey in a modern day every year. And so it's competitive football. I mean, it's competitive tackle, physical football. Uh, and I just, going to high school, I said, you know what, I, I can't be a center anymore. I, I can't make the calls that centers do on the line. I, I'm not big enough. I really don't. I, I didn't think I had a position out on the football field. And so I didn't play my freshman and sophomore year. But I got tired. I got tired of sitting there on Friday nights watching the team play. I got tired of seeing the team interact in the, in the hallways and the locker room and everything. And I, I love football. It was a big passion of mine. I wanted to get out there and start playing again. And I didn't want to look back on high school and say, you know what, I, I regret not playing ball. So I came upon the long snapping position. And for me, it was just the idea that a long snapper will snap a ball for eight yards for you know a field goal and 15 yards for a punt and it pretty much doesn't change from that it's muscle memory just get that feel down and you know do it over and over and over and over again uh, and so that's what I did and I did it the whole summer ago my junior year and I played obviously my junior senior seasons and in the college and you saw the rest but that idea really actually though that 
muscle memory and me having that confidence I could master a skill like that I actually came from golf. And golf was kind of the more main sport that I, I loved as a kid. Uh, I started taking it seriously around 12. And then, you know, I was obviously hit with this news I was going to lose my eyesight. I remember going out there before I lost my eyesight, but knowing I was going to lose my eyesight, trying to hit a golf ball with my eyes closed. And I was awful. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a funny thing. It's, it's a little-known secret to everyone, but golf doesn't get e any easier when you can't see the ball. Uh, <laughs> it's really easy before that, you know, but once you lose your sight, then it becomes hard. No, but, um, but, you know, I became a 12-year-old who was, who was decent golf to a 12-year-old who couldn't make contact anymore, and it really was about making contact. It was about trying to get a chip up in the air, which I couldn't do for a couple months. It was okay, let's just try to get a good shot every once in, you know, five shots. And, and sure enough, he started stringing along, and he strings some good shots together, and he start playing. And, you know, I remember starting to hit balls better than I ever did with sight. Wow. Um, and eventually, you know, it was like two steps forward, five steps or back, six steps forward. You know, it's like back and forth, back and forth. But, you know, now I, I probably have somewhere around like a 10 handicap. So, so if, you're, if you're not a golfer, um, he's really good at golf. <laughs> <laughs> like... Really? So I, we, we found some footage, and I know the footage is a little bit old, but um, I, you just you just watch and see. Not picking up much wind here. On a winter morning in Huntington Beach, California, Jake Olson's swing is strong. His aim is dead on. Nice strike, Jake. It's more than a compliment. It's information Jake needs. He recently shot a 78 on 18 holes and hopes to be the first blind golfer on the PGA Tour. Have that confidence that you can do whatever you want and then go out there and do it. You finish with a birdie here on 18. Close the door. Close the door. So, yeah, when he says he golfs, he golfs. What, what is... Um... My, 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 my caddy's here is in the room, too. My dad's here, and that's, uh, that's, that's, that's who I owe all my, my thanks to for my golf games. That's so awesome. He's out that there every so time cool. helping me. So. That's cool. I think what, besides your, your uh, golf swing, I think the other thing that's surprising was how skinny you were. I know. Uh, I, and that you've been hitting the, the weight room the, a little bit. The weight bit. room and I hadn't found our passion for each other yet okay. at that point. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. So um, you obviously continue to push forward in all the different arenas of your life, sports and school and, and all that, and you get to go to USC, and um, you get to play on the team. Mm -hmm. um, so just tell us just real quick about that experience. It was fun. It was, it was a great experience. It was something I had never really even imagined I would be at USC playing, uh, playing football. I know that you mentioned last night that, I, I don't know how you found this out, but I, since eighth grade, I had said I went to USC. Right, I, I was, it's in my right. mind I was going to go to USC. So, right, right. Uh, he had been at USC since he was 12. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much. Um, so, you know, I knew I was going to go to USC, but my, I remember my senior year of high school, I was up there at a practice, and, you know, I was considered a recruit at the time just because I played high school football, and so, you know, there's NCAA rules on me. So I was up there, and Coach Stark had come to a couple of our games, and he seen me snap. He just was like, hey, you know, Jake, if, if you're coming here for school, you, you're going to get in. I go, yeah, I think so. And he goes, well, if, when you do, would you want to come snap for us? And I said, yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, I, you know, again, I, I never really even considered that possibility, but I'm so grateful for, for the opportunity, and I was able to have a lot of ups and downs over the four years there. Um, 
won a Rose Bowl, won a Pac-12 championship, um, had also some, some trials come our way, but, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I'm, I'll be forever grateful for that experience. Yeah, and, and so the theme seems to be in your life is you're not going to let anything stand in your way of what you want to do. And uh, this is seen in your golf game, football. You've also done a couple other things, and, and so I didn't want to get you in any trouble, but I did find out that uh, you were speeding driving a car. I, well, yeah, so I, one of the things I, I did last summer was I drove around Charlotte Motor Speedway. Um, I was able to be a passenger in a racing truck, and we, we got going about 175 miles per hour in that, which was fun. But then I actually did get to drive a, a pace car around. Uh, I drove it, and we... We got up to like 70 miles per hour at some point, so I, down the straightaway, I, I took it up, and I know everyone's like, oh, 70, but hey, any of you after this service want to come in the car with me and drive you at 70 miles per hour? <laughs> let, let me know, all right? Uh, <laughs> if he gets pulled over, how are you going to talk out of that yeah, one? I don't you know. know yeah. <laughs> anyway. um, so you got to do the NASCAR thing. Um, you've got to uh, meet some of your, you know, Childhood heroes, Tiger Woods being one of I them. I did, yeah. I met, I met Tiger, and um, I'm a big fan of his. He's a big fan of me, but I think he, he definitely loves Quebec more. Uh, I don't know if you've, you guys you could go look at it, but him and Tiger two weeks ago at the Genesis Open uh, had, had some intimate moments with Quebec and, and <laughs> kissing each other. So, um, <laughs> yes, Quebec was, Quebec was fond of that. So Yeah, yeah. And, and you're also a part of uh, a sports council? Is that yeah, right? I was... I was um, named last year to um, the, the, the President's Council on Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition. Um, and our goal is to um, increase participation amongst youth sports, especially with female and uh, lower income areas. Uh, I know that we, we're doing some good work, but actually Misty May is one of the uh, co-chairs, so I know she, she attends here every once in a while, so yep. it's, it's very cool. It's cool, that's so cool. So uh, real quick, before we jump into that, you know, the, the next question, um, throughout here you've obviously joked about certain things. You have quite a sense of humor. And I, uh, I in my time doing the research, I got on your Twitter page. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I did. And I had some tweets that I wanted to just ask you about okay, okay. really quickly. Um, sorry it's in front of everybody, yeah, but... No, it's, it's sorry. Yeah, I, no, that's I put okay. put it out there. Yeah, guess, yeah you know, say you it's public. Sleep so, in my own bed. Right. Uh, anyway, and so let's... If you throw this up on the screen, let me see what the first one... So this one says that, that you just completed the bird box challenge. <laughs> yeah, you, so... The, the Bird Box uh, Challenge is basically based on a movie that came out on Netflix. It's an awful movie, but, um, <laughs> but anyways, th th these people in, in the movie can't see these creatures, otherwise they die, and so they blindfold themselves, so again, they assure that they won't ever see these creatures or whatever the heck they are, and they do a bunch of stuff, and so the Bird Box Challenge was the public, with you know how genius the public is, of doing stuff blindfolded and seeing what they could do. And I said, all right, well, I'll go snap blindfolding, you know? So that's what I did. I snapped blindfolded, I posted a video up there, um, and trust me, it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't much different. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, next one is you jumped off a high dive, and you said that the trick is not to look down. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this was at the end of fall camp last, this last season. The seniors jumped off the, the high dive in the pool. Um, and yeah, no, it was... A lot, there was a lot of scared guys, man. You'd be amazing, these 320-pound guys that can lift a truck, but 
you know, get up on a on an edge only 30 feet above the water and are are the first to back down. So <laughs> I told him, you just you just got to get on the edge and jump. You know, don't yeah. look down. You know, yeah, there you go. <laughs> good advice. Good advice. Okay, I think I I might have one more. Um, happy Valentine's Day. If you're on a blind date tonight, I got you. Yeah, that that's a uh, song. Uh, <laughs> you look, it's, it's blind love. It's um, Dan Hennig wrote it for for me. He's a great uh, artist and. Basically, yeah, we were just talking about, you know, going on blind dates and, you know, it's, uh, it's it, again, if, if you need help, just message me. I got you. Good. Good. Um, real quick before I, I jump to our uh, last question is, what are you up to now? What are some things that you're involved in? Yeah, so um, right now, again, I'm, I'm, I'm really hitting the golf course again hard. I, I, after college now, I want to get back into competitive golf and win a couple of blind golf championships see where I can take it, mm. uh, my talents in, in that, with pro-ams or whatever. Um, I signed with UTA, United Talent Agency up in LA. Um, definitely gonna probably have some books coming out, some TV stuff coming out, you know, um, very, very cool stuff that coming to you soon. So go ahead and, you know, you can follow me on social media and keep up with that. We're doing some cool things. But more importantly, um, kind of more, more relevant right now is actually on March 20th is USC's Pro Day. And for those who don't know what a Pro Day is, it's like a each university's individual combine, you do all the same drills, but it's at the university um, of, of where you attended. And so for me, I'm, I'm going to participate in the bench press. Um, and that's basically just 225 pounds on the bar and you're benching as many times as you can for NFL scouts because they care so much, I guess. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but I'm doing a fundraiser through that. And basically, it's a, a fundraiser to help the cancer I had, retinoblastoma. And basically, as I told you, there were... Ten years ago, there, there weren't more any, any options for me left um, to cure my cancer, and I had to lose my eyesight. But there was actually a real experimental um, treatment that my doctor was working on, but it was, it was so, so, so new that they couldn't ever use it on me at the time. But it, ten years later now, it's actually it's ready, and it's called Episcleral and it's a, basically like a chemo plaque you just place over the eye, and it, it directly, it non-invasively uh, gives chemo to the tumors um, right there and two kids actually last year in Toronto kind of went through this experimental trial with it um, both were similar situations of one eye left exhausted all treatment options a lot of tumors in the eye and they they tried it and it cured them both um, completely so yeah so they're thinking that really this this chemo plaque as they're calling it is the way that no kid ever has to lose their eyesight to retinoblastoma again. So mm. I'm raising money to promote it and to get a clinical trial for it so it can be used around the world and uh, make sure make that a reality. So if you want to help me do that, I'd really appreciate it. You could go to pledgeit.org, like you're pledging, pledgeit.org slash Jake. And what you can do is you can pledge per rep of my bench press. I'm going to try to get 20 reps. So you can, you know, two bucks per rep, but it's 40 bucks, you know, and so, um, or whatever the amount you want to donate. But I would really appreciate it. You pledge a dollar slash Jake, you go to any of my social media handles, and I got the link there. So. Great. So a um, couple of the things that first come to mind when we hear your story is, one, how much you've already accomplished so early in life, and um, how a situation that most of us probably would have uh, thrown a pity party and said, you know what, I don't want to do this, I, don't, I, I quit, uh, you have seen as an opportunity to push forward. And you said part of that is your mindset, part of that is your faith. Mm -hmm. Just talk us through that. Yeah, well, you know, the, I think the first thing that comes to mind is just that, that personal choice, you know, that, that, that decision you have to make as an individual. I mean, when I go and speak, I don't sugarcoat anything. I, I, 
always really blunt with the crowd and saying that life isn't fair. You know, it, it really isn't. Uh, sometimes 12-year-old kids go blind. Sometimes people are taken away from us far too earlier than they're supposed to. Families fall apart. Whatever, whatever the case is, uh, life, life isn't fair, and we, we've all faced our challenges. But it's in those times where the decision has to be made. You know, what, what road are you going to go down? Are you going to let it stop you? Or are you going to let that dictate your future and, and what you're worth and your, your goals? Or are you going to go ahead and push through it and figure out a way to get through it and change, maybe change and adapt, but at the end of the day, know that you're still who you are and you're worth every, every bit of what God tells you you're worth, and that's a lot. Uh, I remember when I woke up from my surgery that took my eyesight, I, I had that same decision I'm talking about right now and that I could go home and think about what my life could have been if I never lost my sight and all the thing, cool things I could have done and how promising life would have been and now I'm blind and I'm just going to sit here and sulk about it. And it, That's honestly the easier route. I mean, it, it really is. That's, that's the easier route and some people would have blamed me, some people would have felt sorry for me and been there for me, but the fact is that's, that's, that's not the, the route that you want to go down. It's not, at the end of the day, People who do that are never, never satisfied. It's never satisfying. Because you're worth more than that. And the thing is, the other road is harder. Absolutely it's harder, but it's the road that is satisfying. And it's the road that is honorable. And it's that, okay, yes, I know blindness is going to make things hard. I, so many things I have to adapt. I'm going to have to relearn how to read and write and go to school and get myself dressed in the morning and play sports and pretty much live life. I'm going to have to learn, relearn everything. And it's going to be harder, but guess what? At the end of the day, when I do that, I'm going to be a lot more, I'm going to be so much more happy. I'm going to be able to achieve the dreams in, that I've set out to achieve as a child. I'm not going to let blindness rob me of my childhood. I'm not going to let it take my love for life away or my, my will to succeed or my drive for excellence. It's not going to change that. It might change my goals a little bit. I'm not going to be the star receiver on the football team, but I'm going to be the long snapper. I'm going to find a place out there where I belong playing football. And that's the decision you have to make as an individual when you're going through those challenges of, what, 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 what road are you going to go down? I promise you the harder road is the ro road that's much more worth it. Mm. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know that you've said a part of that is just uh, being grateful. Yeah, you know, gratitude is a huge part of that. Um, you know, I basically tell people to always keep a positive attitude, and I know it rings hollow sometimes in the hard times and that, no one likes to be in the middle of their setback and be like, have someone be like, just keep a positive attitude, you know? It can ring hollow, but it's important because no one's ever come up to me and said, you know, Jake, I kept a negative attitude this one time and it just worked out so great, you know? It's, it's, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. But again, it can ring hollow, and, and where I kind of make substance of that saying is keep being grateful, being grateful, and, and gratitude is such a special, important thing in life. Um, it's, hard, it's hard not to smile when you're grateful. And the beautiful thing about gratitude is, one, no matter your circumstance or lot in life at the time, you always, always, always can be grateful for something. There will always be a blessing in your life that God's put that you can be grateful for. The second thing is what's really cool about gratitude is God made it a skill. It's not inherited trait. It's not, I'm, I wasn't born more grateful than any of you guys. And the, the, the deal is you have to train your mind to change the way you look at things. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And it's, it's being able to change your, the way you look at the world in more of a gratitude and with more grateful lens. And that's writing something down on Sunday about some, over the past week you're grateful for, seven things you're grateful for, whatever, whatever it is you want to do, but train your mind to start looking for the things that are in your life that you're grateful for. 
I know a lot of times people say, you know, Jake, are you mad or sad about being blind? And it's, sure, there's plenty of times I am. I mean, I don't wake up and realize that I'm not blind. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, every day brings challenges because I am blind. And I get mad and sad about it. And I'm not telling you to avoid those feelings. It's important to recognize those feelings. But don't let those feelings cloud your mind to the point where you can't ever see what the blessings you do have in your life. I have, a, I have an athletic body. I have a capable mind. I have amazing opportunities. I have a beautiful family. I have so many blessings that it would be shameful for me to focus on the one thing that I didn't have, which was my eyesight, and let that dictate my future and my attitude. God says in 1 Thessalonians, be grateful in all circumstances. Not some circumstances. He doesn't say, hey, be grateful in the circumstances you think you should be grateful for. No, he says all circumstances. And he knows just how important that is, and that's why it's a commandment. Because he knows that when you are grateful, when you do focus on the blessings he's given you, and he has given you and will give you more when you're faithful with him, he just knows how powerful that is to your mind and your well-being, that you never ever fall into that, that dark place where you, you, know, you, you can't focus on anything else but what's going wrong. Yeah. Um, we're about to run out of time, but before we do... There's a quote that I, I'm, I think it's kind of become famous, is after you did your first uh, snap in a game, the reporters came, they interviewed you, and I don't know if it, you just made it up off the top of your head or you were prepared for it or what, but you had some, uh, a really profound uh, insight into, into what was happening. Yeah, uh, the reporter was just asking kind of full circle how it felt to meet a 12-year-old kid who was going blind and now to be able to snap for the team and everything, and I, I kind of was given my answer, and I said, you know, if you can't see how God works out, I think you're the, if you can't see how God works things out, I think you're the blind one. And it's true. I mean, my favorite verse, and what's gotten me through pretty much my entire life, uh, is Jeremiah 29, 11, and for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you hope in the future. And it's his promise. I mean, it's his promise, and it's true, because it is his promise. Uh, he has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. And what I call it, defining the setup and the setback, and that if any, every setback, there's a setup waiting to happen. And that setup is God's promise. It's about remaining faithful through those dark times, knowing that God is going to use you and use the circumstances you're in to further his kingdom along in life. And that's a, and that's, and that's a blessing as believers that we get to have the privilege of doing that. You know, God promises blessings of, that are unseen and unheard of, if we remain faithful to him. And sometimes it's, it's challenging. Sometimes you are going through that dark place or those, those tough times. And trust me, I could have easily said when I was going blind, you know, God, why do you let this cancer keep coming back? Why did you let me go blind? Like, forget you. I'm done with this. But I've never seen the blessings I, I, I have today. God would have never blessed me with the things he has blessed me with. But it's because you remain faithful. It's because you know he has that future for you full of hope. That you remain faithful. And at the end of the day, when you think about all the blessings that God has given me, losing my eyesight to further his kingdom is a small price to pay. Mm. Wow. I'm gonna, uh, Autumn's going to come and, and, and take uh, Jake out to the lobby, and he'll be there available if you want to just say hi to him, shake his hand, and um, tell him thanks for being here. So let's just give it up for him one more time. Thanks, guys.